Hey, Stephanie Goss, you got a second to talk about Guardian Vets? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Man, I uh, I hear from people all the time that are overwhelmed because the phones never stop ringing. Yes. Um, and I'm sure you, you hear from these people as well. You know, like our caseload is blowing up and the doctors are busy and uh, the phones just don't stop. They never stop. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true story. I'm amazed by how uh, how few veterinarians know about Guardian Vet. This is a service where you have uh, registered technicians uh, who can jump in virtually and help you on the phones. You can flip the switch and uh, Guardian Vets can jump in and take some of the load off the front desk and they can handle your clients and get them booked for your appointments and give them support. And it really is a godsend. Pre-pandemic, it was amazing to me how many people hadn't heard about it for after hours call help. But at this point, I can't believe how many people don't realize that they are offering help during the daytime as well, which I would think right now is a huge benefit to practices because everybody is shorthanded. Everybody is drowning in phone calls. And so we talk about it. We've talked about Guardian Vets a lot on the podcast. And every time we do, we always get somebody who says, what is that? Guys, if you're not familiar with Guardian Vets, if you think that you could use some help on the uh, on the phones or up at the front desk, check them out. It's guardianvets.com. And uh, if you mention our podcast, me and Stephanie Goss, uh, you get a month free. So check it out, guardianvets.com. Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. So this week's episode is brought to you courtesy of a handful of letters that we've received over the months in the mailbag. And they are all uh, the big picture questions that have to do with when we have a catastrophic event in the clinic, um, something that involves a patient or a client. Patient dies under anesthesia, um, a pet getting walked in from the parking lot escapes, slips their leash and escapes, a pet who is uh, boarding during a thunderstorm escapes and and gravely injures themselves, those kind of things. Like when it's catastrophic, what do we do to support ourselves as the medical professionals involved in the cases? What do we do to support our team when we're leaders? Because we've gotten some letters from leaders who have gone through these situations and are really struggling with feeling like not only are they trying to keep it together and deal with the lawyers and deal with Plit and deal with the liability and the weight of all of that, sitting on their shoulders, but they're also trying to deal with the weight for the emotional toll that it has, not only on themselves, but on the team, particularly when clients go on the warpath and there is cyberbullying or people coming into the practice and harassing or berating the team when there's, uh, you know, death threats, nasty voicemails, all of those things that we've talked about in prior episodes um, that kind of can happen when something goes sideways and people go on the warpath. These questions all have to do with how do we support ourselves mentally and emotionally, and how do we support the teams? How do we be good leaders in times of crisis? And Andy and I leaned into some of our own experiences and really wanted to talk through what do we what do we do and how do we do this? I hope that this helps. I hope that it uh, is a really good episode. Andy and I really enjoyed this conversation. So let's get into this one. And now the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and Stephanie. She drives me crazy, Goss. <laughs> uh, I was waiting for a good one. Are you, you, you going to sing me the song, please? She drives me crazy. Um, you know, I was thinking, we're, we're like 200 episodes and change, and it's getting progressively harder. 
like to find these people. Hey, and you? I just want to pitch something to you because I've got a website here. You started this is, game. That's a thousand and one awesome nicknames is what it is. And I'm like, I can just pull from this. And so I'm looking at it and I'm like, how do you feel about and we're back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and Stephanie, the talent gone. <laughs> they've got, um, they've got awkward Stephanie Tomahawk Goss. <laughs> so they've got animal themes one. Okay. <laughs> Stephanie, the Mastodon Goss. <laughs> or, just, or just Wildcat Goss. Uh, um, I mean. <laughs> it uh it puts me it puts me back to uh grade school when dumb boys used just random things to make fun of you stephanie <laughs> lord privy seal goss uh, i can't with you what if i just called you subwoofer <laughs> okay i don't know what to do with subwoofer. this list, but someone put How a lot of time into this and these are good <laughs> cornflake if I could go back, if I could go back to being a child, I would have a friend. His nickname would be Cornflake, and I don't care. Like it would get tagged on someone. Uh, it was uh, for me. It was Snuffleupagus. Um, no, yeah. really? Uh huh. Yeah, that was uh, that was about the like fifth grade dumb boy teasing got oh. got pretty epic with Snuffleupagus for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I told you I gave myself a nickname, right? The uh, camp story. When uh, my brother and I were going to summer camp, and my mom was like, it says here, it asks if you have nicknames. Do you have nicknames? And I said, yeah. I said, I'm Hawk, and he's Ace. And my brother and I were Hawk and Ace when we went to camp that year. Did uh, anybody actually call you Hawk or Ace? Oh, though? yeah. Oh, oh, they went when they were like, we're supposed to call him Hawk. And like, yeah, they called me Hawk. I was embarrassed by it by like 10 minutes after I was there. I was like, this is a bad idea. You know? <laughs> it was one I of those things so where I like, like three months before summer camp when you're filling out the paperwork, it seemed like a good idea. Uh -huh. Not nah. when you were actually there and people did it, it was like, no, this is a, this is a mistake. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. Oh man, <laughs> have you been? Uh, you know, it's uh, it's busy. The it is it is full fledged fall. We had our yeah. first uh, our first storm of the season out here uh, yesterday, and uh, it was it was crazy uh we, yeah. we kind of get you know i live in the boonies so we have we lose power i went to try to go to the post office to mail actually something to you and something to tyler and there was no power and i was like i guess guess that i've been carrying around in my car for a week and i was so proud of myself i'm like finally going to the post office no power he's like i can't no i can't help oh, you I can't, I can't bread stamps i was like gosh darn it <laughs> yeah oh boy how have you been oh man uh living the dream yeah. <laughs> i was like how have i been uh just running as hard as we can uh building it's out busy. Uh, next year in uncharted it's gonna be amazing i feel Getting... like it's it's a time of planning right like this and it was oh, it was always this way for me in the clinic too like fall hits and you've got all of the craziness of the end of the year but then you're also like excitedly thinking forward to the new year of what are we gonna do what changes are we gonna you know implement what are we um, you know, what are we doing for marketing and social media and all of that kind of stuff? And I, I always enjoy this time of the, the year, but I feel like it adds a whole layer of chaos to the chaos that already exists in the fall. <laughs> yeah, I, I do agree with that. I will tell you that part of growing a business is planning farther and farther 
forward. So like when you have a small business, you don't have to plan all that far in advance. Mm -hmm. And then the more people you have to coordinate, <laughs> the, the earlier you have to plan and start communicating sure. what you're doing. And this is, I mean, I, I'm not saying this is a joke. This is no. really like what I've learned. Yeah. And so, you know, it used to be that December was the time of planning uh -huh. for the next year. And then it was like, uh, then it was November and now it's uh, October, you know, like, like pushing July, into August. Like, it was like, honestly, <laughs> it was like by September, we really need to be working on what we're doing yeah. next year. Yeah. Like really need to be working. And I'm like, it's just interesting that things change. And I, I think that everybody wants to believe that there is a plan that a good, a quote unquote good business runs. And I'm like, it, uh, it wholly depends on where you are in your you know in mm -hmm. in your in the lifespan of your business and the size of the business and the type that you have and like just one of the big things that you and i talk a lot about is um it's not one size fits all like yeah. it depends on your culture and your team and your location and your objectives and your challenges and the skill well, sets of your people and all these things play into how you run your business it's just but that also means that as those things change you're you're the way you run your business is going to continue to change well and i think it's funny because we get asked questions a lot where the answer is like you know if you have a team of three you have a doctor mm -hmm. a technician and a csr like the answer is probably vastly different than if you have a team of you know 100 or 30 yeah. or 23 right um and we talk a lot about that scale and it's it's funny because you think about it uniquely siloed to the pers the perspective of of the clinic but when you zoom out those same problems exist in a different way in in every business as it as it grows and as it scales and it's it's funny i've been reflecting a lot on how a lot of what we're going through uh you know as a team and uncharted is very similar to a lot of the things um you know different different specifics but same same rules apply <laughs> to a lot of the questions and things that you struggle with in in the clinic so on yeah. one hand it's nice to know that you're not you're not alone because everybody everybody has the same same kind of challenges yeah i remember i was in vet school and there was an essay contest and it was an essay con it was a business essay contest and i was like i'm going to crush this like this is <laughs> i am going to tee up on this essay contest like i okay it. and and the, and it was uh, it was about i can't remember the specifics of it now but it was something about like you were, you're having this sort of toxicity or whatever inside this practice uh, or they were trying to get the practice organized i can't remember what it was there was a growth thing going on anyway but it was, a, I distinctly remember, it was a one vet practice is what it was. Okay. And I think based on the on the finalists of the essay, among which I was not one, um, <laughs> it, it became clear that they were looking for this organizational idea. And like the winner was like, well, I would have, we need to have department meetings and like a surgery department meeting and all these other things. And I remember just sitting there and looking at it and saying, they have one doctor. it's a one vet practice. <laughs> what are you talking about? And like, in my thing, I was very much like, these are important conversations. I thought on like an individual level, right, of, sure. I would make sure this person is on board with this and talk to this other person about this and, and understand their feelings on that. And that was not what they were looking for. They were 100% sure. looking for an org chart of like how these things are going to go. And like, but I just remember being like a surgical team meeting in a one vet practice <laughs> it, and you know what i mean and like it was it was so overbuilt and i just i've never gotten past that that's of funny like, 
that doesn't I uh, anyway just the dissonance of, of what they said it was and then the the organization that they celebrated I was like hi these things are not <laughs> these are not comp- compatible what are we doing <laughs> anyway but it's That's just funny I hold that up not to uh, not because I'm still bitter about losing the uh-huh. essay contest in sure. med school nope not but, at all but because I think a lot it, it goes to my point of I think that a lot of people think that there is a way that a practice is supposed right. to run yeah. and I'm like that's not correct not yeah correct. Um, so all of this has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today story time we should note the recording time and just let people know like, you just skip to the four minute mark if you want story time with Andy and Stephanie no we have a we have a good one today and um so this is going to be an episode it's interesting we've gotten some um I've been kind of collecting a few uh asks from the mailbag and they're all very different and I um I don't want to share specifics from any one of them because I think they're representative of a bigger a bigger concern and um they they were situations where something catastrophic happened in the practice from a medicine perspective so a patient escaped got off a leash and escaped or they had a death under anesthesia or uh there was you know some uh, a patient was not under anesthesia was just in the care of the hospital and died there was this you know things that are out of really either accidents or out of our control where there actually wasn't anything wrong like when you when you zoom out and bless you all for giving us specifics like when we zoom out and look at the questions we would ask to make sure that we did the right things along the way like all of those boxes were checked but something catastrophic happened and you have the reactions of the clients and the people immediately involved Um, and in all of these situations obviously there was upset and anger and uh, hurt and emotions on the part of the clients, right? And that is then all getting directed at the doctors, at the team, um, at the hospital, and in several circumstances, you know, we've done episodes on this before, it explodes into the online arena. And then there is bullying and cyberbullying and people who are not a part of the immediate family, uh, you know, berating the clinic and the team, um, and in in some instances, like personal information is getting shared online. Yeah. People are being called by name. They're getting attacked. So we've we've seen, unfortunately, we've seen enough of these circumstances in veterinary medicine in the last few years. And and um, I kind of was holding on to these because I wanted to talk not so much about um kind of what do we necessarily do in the moment, although a little bit of that. But there were some questions that were asked in each of these that really stood out to me because they were not so much related to the how do I deal with this, right? Like, like um, sh- should I get an attorney? Like, who should I talk to? But they were about when we think about the bigger picture, how do we keep the team safe? How do we lead the team through challenges like this? Um, and there were several cases where people were like, I feel like I did the right, I got an, we got an attorney, um, or I, you know, I work for a company that has an HR and a legal department and they were, you know, they were there to help us with like all of the paperwork pieces of it. Um, but how do I support the people who are involved? And, um, I just, my, my heart went out when I read some of these, because these are good people who are trying to do the best for their teams and their patients. And they're just feeling really, really overwhelmed with 
how do I create the the space, <laughs> the emotional yeah. space, right? And how do I deal with it? And I thought this is really good for Andy and I because so much of it is headspace, right? Which is what we spend mm-hmm. a lot of time talking yeah. about on the podcast. Um, and then also there are actionable things and what what can we do to help the the team in specific? So some of the questions that I really liked is when the worst case happens, when clients are angry about something, how do we keep the team safe? How do we lead them through uh, the challenges and really kind of like, how do we handle, handle the extra sticky situations like this? Yeah, no, I... I... I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, and I really like the fact that they broke this apart and said, just the people part. And I go, great, because this is a big, sticky mm-hmm. uh, wicket. And um, it, depending on the specifics of the case, there's I'll give you different advice on handling the other things. Sure. I, I really like the way they set it up. And they were like, all right, we got, we got our lawyer. We've got you know our liability insurance uh, yep. people involved like we are we are checking the boxes we are covering our bases we are doing the we've got the social media part under control we've locked down things turned right. off comments we've done stuff all right so i i really like this a lot so what do we say to the team i think i think one of the big things is the way that we address this with the team is the way that we address trauma with any group of people, whether it's family, you know, or or any group of, of people who are going through a hard time, mm-hmm. I think the first thing we do is acknowledge the elephant in the room. And I think a lot of that may sound silly, but a lot of people miss that trick because they like, I don't want to, I don't want to bring it up because they might not know. It's like, oh, right. no, they know, they know, <laughs> they know, you know, they yeah. are uh, high, they are acutely aware, and you not talking about it doesn't show. It doesn't show leadership. It makes them feel isolated and cut off mm-hmm. or it makes them feel powerless. It makes them feel it makes them question like what is being done? You know, what sure. what should we expect? Are are we being uh, are we just being left alone in this? And, and so I, I think I think it starts there. I think the first thing is start with the elephant in the room is having some clear conversation that just says we see that this is going on. Right. And and I don't want to heighten it. I don't want to say, boy, really hope people's addresses don't start getting posted online. Right. Like, don't <laughs> don't give them ideas. Don't heighten this beyond yeah. where it is. Yeah. Resist the urge to let this spiral right into something else. And I, I think that's a big part of sort of bringing it back. So uh, I, I mean, I'll talk about about the spiral part in a second. But I, I, that's how I would open it up is to say the first thing to know is the staff is aware of this. Mm-hmm. I think your job in leadership is is reassurance. Yeah. You don't have to fix the problem. You don't have the power to fix the problem. But let them know that they're not alone and you see it and we're in we're in this together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not I'm not going to let you sit up at the front desk and be abused while I stay back in my office and pretend this is a happening. And on the flip side of that, I think um I think, you know, you said you- the, the team is is aware that this is happening and I think that that's true and I think that um our first inclination uh, my first inclination having been in a situation I had a situation where we had a patient uh, who was in a carrier we we're bringing it in from the parking lot the client was walking beside the member of my team and it was a large cat and they sh- got freaked out by a noise in the parking lot and shifted their weight and the carrier dropped and it popped open and the cat exploded out of the box and took off um and was was gone for three days and it was hugely it was hugely scary and the team who was there at the time 
that day knew what was happening because the person ran inside and said, hey, I need a couple of people to come help me fan out. We're going to look for the look for the pet. But then, you know, the rest of the day goes on. Right. We still have patients, other patients Mm -hmm. that are being seen. Not everybody knows. And I think my inclination at the time was to try and control the game, control the the potential for the game of telephone. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, I only want to tell them what they need to know. Um, And and I I think uh, there can be the inclination to lean into not telling people because it's yep. like you just keep doing what you're doing. Like, don't worry about what's happening over here. Um, and right. so I think on the flip side of that, it is important to know that when something like this happens, um, particularly if you have a larger hospital where team members aren't present, it's really important, I think, from a headspace perspective to think about how do you make sure everybody is aware of what happened yeah. and not so much everybody needs to know all of the details. Cause I think that is an important piece of the action. Like they don't need to know all the details. And sometimes, yeah. especially if it's a case where there's, it's a legal situation, you might not want to tell them all of the details, but I do think it's important to make sure that everybody does know what happened. So like the next, you know, if you're, if you're on shift and you have a death under anesthesia, man, that is freaking hard. Those yeah. are some of the hardest days in veterinary medicine. And I hate to say it, but when you come in the next day, maybe you've been able to like tamp it down and you're trying not to think about it, but it usually doesn't mean you've shaken it off. And if you're working with somebody who wasn't on shift the day before, they're not going to know what happened. And they're also going to no- not know maybe why you're acting the way that you are or where your mm-hmm. head is at. And so I think it is important to make sure that everybody knows, hey, this is this is what happened and and that there is a process to talk about those things when they do happen. Yeah, I think I think that that's a really good I think that's a really good point. Um, I think one of the things that I would one of the first things I want to talk about with the with the team and now we're shifting away from we're shifting away from dealing with medical mistakes which we we have a podcast episode about that and communicating that with the team and things like that i I was shifting a little bit away from how we communicate medical mistakes inside our team to the client component right Mm -hmm. because that's specifically what we're talking about is when the clients go on the warpath and they go on social media and there's this external nastiness coming in I, I think one of the things that I want to do, so we start with val- with uh, communication about the eleva- uh, elephant in the room. And the next thing that I want to talk about is is valid versus invalid anger. Okay. And and it's about it's about I think part of the communication stuff with the team is hey, we try to we empathize with people mm-hmm. and we try to understand where they're coming from and yeah. how they're feeling, right? And I feel like we we have done that. We want to do that. We want to think about this from their perspective. And at some point there is a limit to what is valid in people's behaviors. Yeah. Can you be upset because your pet escaped for three days? Of course you can. Can you make death threats to the people who own the building? No, you cannot. Right. That, right. that is not normal, rational behavior. Right. And sometimes we just have to call it out, especially for the people who are dealing with the client, because people will say, you are horrible. You are a terrible person. I hope your children are injured, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yes. And, and, and sometimes when people say that to us, a voice in our head says, do I deserve this? Mm -hmm. It's like, did I mess up this bad? I know I messed, I I know this, this went really badly, 
but do I deserve this? And so I, I think bringing your people together and saying, we are going to empathize with these people. And then also we're going to be clear about what is acceptable and what is not acceptable and what is unreasonable yeah. and what is unwarranted. Because I do think that a lot of people struggle, especially, you know, I tell you, I, I can remember cases in, the, uh, in my past where uh, things have not gone well and the clients have blamed me for things uh, to my face. And I have eaten myself alive saying, why didn't I, right. why didn't I anticipate this? Yeah. Why didn't I see this coming? And I needed another doctor, my friend, to come to me and say, what are you talking about, Andy? Like, you're not omniscient, right? Like, right. you didn't do anything wrong. You know, you didn't, you didn't imagine everything that a pet might do you know in that moment right that's not that's not failure that's being a human being um and it just it i just think it's really important to have those types of conversations uh, kind of about what happened and then about what is a reasonable reaction that pet owners can have and, and what behaviors are over the line yeah and that just that that gives people um it gives people permission to uh to put up some barriers mm -hmm. right it gives people permission to feel s sadness for this person responsibility uh upset and also say and at the same time you posting online in every forum you can find that i'm a terrible person that's not okay right. and that's not warranted and that's not justified given what actually happened and so sometimes it is those conversations to validate uh, to validate what is okay and what is not okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I also think it creates an opportunity too, right, for the team to talk about um, some of the things that might actually have nothing to do with this situation that's currently going on, but that may have happened in the past that kind of got um, set aside, like the emotional blackmail situations with clients. It opens the, the doors and creates opportunity to talk about those things, particularly with your front desk team who who gets it, you know, really really bad sometimes yeah. from clients about like well, what it what is invalid anger, what is invalid invalid behavior, not just in terms of like they're in the lobby shouting right, but like the specifics of what they're shouting, like where do we draw those lines? And I yeah. think the good part is is that it opens the door to having those conversations because in the moment i think a lot of the time we we may not take the time to have that because we're trying to to um let the emotions process and dissipate right like let's calm down before we have this conversation um mm -hmm. and then i think a lot of the times you know the chaos of of every day goes goes uh you know comes into play and we have the best of intentions but i'll be honest like i didn't always circle back and have those conversations and so i think taking it as an opportunity to say hey let's talk about some things that we have you know experienced and you know we're yeah. not we don't need specifics we're not going to you know rehash old situations but like what are the specific behaviors what are the specific instances that you guys feel like would be invalid invalid behavior invalid anger from a client yeah i i i I think those types of conversations are important, right? Because here, here's the thing, and this is why it's important to have the conversation too, is the question is, how do I help support the staff? Right. Um, I can tell you, Stephanie Goss, that I think what you're dealing with is complete garbage and you should, you know, and no one should talk to you that way or no one should, should say that to you. Me telling you that is never going to be as powerful as you coming to that conclusion for yourself. 
And so me asking you, well, what do you think is valid and what do you think is over the line in the interaction that you had with this person? And if you can say, well, I think, I mean, I, I understand them being mad and mm -hmm. I would be mad too. I would say, I agree. And you say, but I do not think that they should, um, you know, use, you know, homophobic, racist, you know, language, uh, slurs, whatever, um, profanity, uh -huh. whatever they're doing. I, I don't think that they should do that. And I would say, I agree with you. I don't, I do not think that that's acceptable. And now it's not me just saying, hey, Stephanie, this, that's not acceptable. And I'm telling it to you. You're you're coming to that conclusion on your own. And, and there's real power in hearing your colleagues say, "Well, this is this was not okay," and and just sort of coming to that consensus. And so I'm trying to build solidarity. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's why we have these conversations about what do you guys think about this now. The important thing is, I think it's I think it's good to go here and have this conversation about you know what do, what do we think and what is what is over the line and how we're being treated. How do you guys feel about what what's happening? Um, I think that's good. And we want to bounce out of that area fairly quickly. Like I want people to be able to, to say and validate and kind of reach a consensus about what what is justified and what is not. And, and then we need to move on. And so I want to evolve the conversation from that to, okay, what will we do or can we do to prevent things like this from happening again in the future? Yeah. And the answer may be nothing. Like they may be, like, this is a hundred percent out of our, out of our control. This was a lightning strike thing. The owner, the owner put the cat in the carrier, and the carrier was not put together well, and it didn't even make it across the parking lot to us. Like, right. I don't know what we do. Maybe, you know, send people a text reminder to make sure if they have any questions right. about assembling their cat right. carrier, they can call us. I, I don't know. Um, but so you know. For example, we had we had a case years and years ago. It was a, a, I worked at a place and we had dog boarding, and a thunderstorm came up, and this dog that we did not know was storm phobic just went bananas. And I can't remember how he got out of his run, but but it was it was something that should not have happened. Sure. Meaning like he tore through yeah. chain link or something. Yeah. You know, something you go superhuman panic. Right. It's heartbreaking, right? Yes. The, the panic. And then the dog sprints down the hallway, jumps up, hits the bar on the emergency door, and is gone into the night and the storm. Right. You know, and it's just like, oh my God. Right. The question is. What can we what can we do differently? Is it is it questions, uh, 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 direct questions about how does your pet respond to storms? You know, right. things like that. I mean, maybe we can if, if we can't do anything to, you know, we can't we can't we should lock the fire door. You can't do that. Uh, <laughs> right. That's not going right, to go right. over. But like, are, are there questions we can ask? Are there, you know, other things? Maybe maybe pets that have uh, storm phobias, they go into different areas. Maybe there's a different monitoring. I don't, I don't know what's possible, right? We can get creative. It's called credibility, right? And, and when I teach dealing with angry or complaining clients, I talk a lot about credibility. Credibility is, is figuring out what happened, why it happened, and what we're going to do to prevent it from happening again in the future. Right. And I like it for a couple of ways. Number one, it's one of the most powerful things you can say to the pet owner. You can say, this is what happened. 
This is why it happened. And this is what we're doing to prevent this from ever happening again in the future. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, own, it's owning the mistake in an appropriate, productive way. Sure. And talking about how this is this is going to be taken care of and it's not going to happen to anyone else again. Right. And that, that is a very powerful thing that that often doesn't happen. So I like it because it is it is cathartic for the pet owners. It makes them feel like justice is sort of being served and moving forward and this has been owned and it's being fixed. But also it puts the power of the situation back to some degrees into our hands as vet professionals and say, all right, guys, what in this situation do we have control of? We have mm-hmm. control of, of what we do right. to prevent this in the future. And so it's giving some power back to people who might otherwise feel powerless. Finally, it also gives you uh, clear talking points. So if you are being attacked from the outside on social media, things like that, I don't want my people engaging on social media. Right. However, if we're going to communicate, we can communicate what we are going to do or what policy changes we are making to make sure this does not ever happen again. It shows how much we care. It shows that we're that we're working on it. Um, it it's just it is a positive thing to put forward to say, you know, we are we are reviewing all of our policies and protocols. We plan to make some updates to 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 things that will prevent accidents like this from occurring in the future. Things like that. And again, it, without knowing specific, without talking about specific instances, I, I can't tell you exactly what the wording would be. And and I think one of the things too, and this does certainly does not apply in every situation, but I think that there's also uh, creates opportunity there. Um, and, and it's why I feel really thankful that I have the tool in my toolbox of knowing that I can always apologize for the impact to somebody. You know, I can't, I can't always apologize for, I can't apologize for something that was out of my control, right? Like your, your example, I can't apologize that a storm hit. Like I can't, I, I, Mm -hmm. I do not control that, but I can absolutely apologize for the impact that it had to them because I am sorry. I'm so sorry that their pet was so scared and that it escaped and that whatever happened to it happened. And even in that worst case scenario, like I can empathize with them. And that is a superpower here. And I've been in the situation where empathizing with the owner and to your point, Andy, like having the conversation with them to say, this is what, like, I can't, I can't change this for you. I wish I wish that I could. I can't yeah. change it for you. I can't make them come back. Um, I remember being a very young practice manager and uh, having a situation happen in our clinic where a pet that was supposed to have a private cremation uh, was not tagged and they were yeah. group cremated. And I remember uh, it was like my first time handling something big like this. And I remember sitting in the in an exam room with the client. Um, and I remember having just looking at her and saying, I, I wish that like, I wish that I could fix this, but I, there's literally nothing that I can do to solve this for you. But I want you to know that like, I am, I am hearing you, I am seeing you. And if I could make this different for you, I would. And I need you to understand that I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that this doesn't happen to somebody else. And that may not bring them comfort in the moment, but being able to say that (laughs) um, opened the door to that for that client who actually called me a a couple weeks later and said, I've been thinking a lot about what you said, and I have some questions about what you do do. And 
and it was they were wonderful they were one of it unfortunately was one of my all-time favorite clients um but she had this conversation with me and she asked me questions that i hadn't yet thought of of what were our processes in the clinic and it actually helped me figure out how could we help prevent this from happening again because they asked they they didn't have the inside like they weren't looking at it from the narrow inside perspective of that I was which is like what are we doing how can we fix this right they she she was asking different questions and it enabled us to look at our protocols and processes in a way that um, was completely different and helped us solve some of the some of the challenges um, and I think we don't get to do that if we don't open ourselves up for the for that vulnerability and it's not always right like there is some, there are absolutely circumstances where I would not have touched that conversation with a 10 foot pole and without an attorney present. Right. Yeah. Sure. And at the same time, I think we can always apologize for the impact. Yeah. I, I like that. I start tying credibility and apology together. I think it's important. I met this vet one time and, um, and we were just talking and we were just sort of telling stories and I wasn't speaking. I was at a CE event. I was totally doing my own thing. And I met this guy and we were just talking and, and, and it's kind of, it's kind of, you, know, you sort of bump into somebody and you're just killing time. Mm-hmm. And one thing kind of leads to another and you end up having this really weird, deep conversation. You know, you know what yep. I'm talking about? Yep. It was, it was that. <laughs> okay. So talking to this guy and he told me this story and I, I don't know if I asked him for for uh, I don't remember how I, how in the world I got him to tell me the story, but but he said I swear this is true. He said um, he said you know I got a story for you. He said I um, I was doing a dental cleaning on this cat, and the clients were wonderful clients. They had multiple cats who came to our practice, and the cat had a mouth gag in mm-hmm. uh, when it was intubated, and they extubated the cat and put it into one of the dens and to recover, and nobody watched the cat. And it comes to the end of the day, and the cat's dead in the in the den. And he goes and he looks, and the mouth gag was still in. Nobody pulled the mouth oh, gag, no. and so the cat suffocates and dies. Oh, and no. he said to the pet owners that there was an unexpected complication during recovery, oh. and the cat died. Oh no! And the owners were just distraught, and they went home. And he sat there. And he just couldn't, he just couldn't live with himself. And so he leaves the clinic and he goes and gets in his car and he drives to their house because he has their address and he knocks on their door and he tells them I, what I said was not true. This is, this is what happened. Oh no. And I just, I am, I am so, so sorry. Yeah. And, um, and he said, I w- I'm going to figure out how to make sure this never happens again. And those clients were involved with him figuring out what the protocols were going to be in the future. And he kept them in the loop about what they would do. And he kept them as clients. And they continued to come wow. back because they were like, you came and you, you, yeah. sat, you sat you here in our house and yeah. you owned up and you told us what happened and, and how, you know, and then what you were doing about it. And he kept them as clients. I have never forgotten that story of just like, I, I get it. You know what I mean? It's the human experience on display yeah. where this is a terrible mistake and you can't fix it. Sure. And I understand panic and saying, well, just tell them, tell them there was, there was a complication. Right. Right. And, which is technically true. And like, right. I get, I get it. I get that impulse. I also get the impulse of being eaten alive by guilt and saying that's not true and that's not yeah. fair. Yeah. And, um, and so anyway, but I've never forgotten that story. I've just, uh, uh, of, owning it. This is what happened. This is why it happened. 
and I'm going to figure out how to make sure it never happens again. Yeah. And I'm serious about that. And so I, I do think that those types of conversations about what can we own here, uh, again, after setting aside what is, as far as anger, what right. is valid and what is invalid, right. then we can say, well, what are we going to do about it? Because if you don't set aside valid and invalid, you make people feel like they deserve, we made a mistake and we deserve this. Right. You have to, you have to pull those apart. I, I, think that's, I think that's really, really important. I think that when we start talking about where do we go from here, uh, one of the things that you're going to battle in yourself for very, very valid reasons and in your team is defensiveness, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, when people are online attacking you, um, it feels awful right. and you do get defensive and sure. you feel like your reputation, which you have worked so hard for, is being destroyed. And I got a, a news flash for people. Brace yourself. Buckle up. You're not going to hear this coming. Um, <laughs> you're not always treated fairly in the court of public opinion. <laughs> Imagine that. So, one, and I talk a lot about this too. And like, this is one of the things I'm really anti-social media. I'm really anti-social media in general in, uh, these days in a lot of ways. But this is one thing I'm specifically, intentionally, very much over the top uh, focused on is the fact that veterinarians make great villains online. Right. Right. Everybody yeah. hates a hypocrite. It's why Ellen DeGeneres got torn down. My career ended when it, when people found out she wasn't nice. Right. Right. If people found out Clint Eastwood isn't nice, they'd be like, that's that tracks. Yep. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yep. He's a grunge. He's a grumpy. Like, he's being a grumpy old nice man. is not required for adoration unless you're Ellen DeGeneres, who who has this reputation right. of being the queen this of nice. nice. Uh, yeah. J- James Corden is getting torched right now because right. of uh, being crappy to a, a waiter. And right. I don't know whether he deserves that or not. But you can't convince me he's not getting torched entirely because his whole persona is carpool, karaoke, right. happy, happy, fun yep. guy. Yep. And people go, he's pretending to be happy and fun. In reality, he was nasty to a server. Right. Um, and so they torch him for it. People hate a hypocrite. And the problem that we as veterinarians have and vet professionals is that we have Ellen DeGeneres's reputation. Right. We have James Corden's reputation of being the fun, wonderful, happy, loving people who would do anything for you. Right. And then when things don't go right or when we're not able to do anything for you. Right. We take the fall like Ellen and James Corden do right. because we're doing, if your attorney... <laughs> If someone's like, my attorney screwed me over, people are like, welcome to the club. Right. You know, like, do you, like are we getting mad about that now? Like, that's kind of, it's kind of a thing that we, they're known for. And like, I, my brother's an attorney. I can say that. But like, no one gets their hackles up when people say my attorney it was a, is a crook. They're like, of course, he's a crook. He's an attorney. And that's not fair to attorneys. But I just use that to illustrate the difference between them and veterinarians. Right. And... In this social media world, being the beloved profession, it has a downside. And it's yeah. that you make a great villain, right? You make a hypocrite. You make a horrible villain. And so I don't know that attorneys get uh, get mobbed, you know, the way that we do. Right. By by strangers who don't have any idea what's going on. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong in that. But I do think that we are uniquely situated to get absolutely hammered on social media by faceless mobs. Yeah. 
I think I think that that makes sense. And we and we know, right, like that there is the keyboard warriors exist because there is this there is the facelessness, right? Like people can say whatever they want and there's no consequences because there's a screen and a keyboard between them and, uh, you know, the people. And and I think that um, we've talked about this lots of times on the podcast, how the, you know, social media has this ability for people to be able to to be big and scream and rant and have it be this huge thing. And I think you're it makes sense um, what you said, like was a light bulb moment. Cause it totally makes sense. Like people think about veterinarians as the, like, um, you know, big hearts, mm-hmm. the, you know, all creatures, great and small. And they, it's, it's at the heart of a lot of our challenges in veterinary medicine, particularly when it comes to things like money, but also when yeah. it comes to problems like this, right? Because then we make a really good, easy villain. Yes. Yeah, that's my point. And so I I think that we get unfairly targeted or we we draw passion from online mobs in a way that a lot of other professions don't. Nobody mobs the auto mechanic. Right. Like they, not that <laughs> right. I can see. Right. But maybe again, maybe if you're in the auto cam mechanic Facebook group, you're you're seeing a lot of things I'm not. I don't know. But it doesn't feel that way to me. It really is. Everybody on the line hates a hypocrite. Yeah. And when people say these people could have saved my pet and didn't, they charged me for money that I couldn't afford and they wouldn't take care of my pet. Right. Like we hit that easy target button in their mind and and we get torched in a way other people don't. And that's why I, I think I specifically look at social media as being bad for vet professionals. Now, what I was saying was resist the urge to get defensive. The reason is because it does not help, right? If you're yeah. wading into an irrational mob, it's not. It does not help. And again, like I've had a lots of debates about with other people about responding to negativity online. Right. Um, and I will just I'll be up front. I have uh, I own my position and I have had plenty of people who are very, very smart argue with me on it. My <laughs> position remains unchanged <laughs> with very rare exception. Right. It is better not to engage. Right. And people are like, no, you should do it. No, you, can, you should talk to the individual who's involved. You know, you should communicate. You should do things like that. Right. But wading into online drama does not tend to go well. It just doesn't. All it does is reattract attention, stimulate people to post more, to write more, to call more. And it keeps the drama going as opposed to laying low and letting go. And again, this is very much about the specifics of the case. But I think people feel too much of a pressure to respond to the masses. And I don't think those people deserve a response. They don't know what's going on. They don't have the information and you're not going to change their mind because they don't want to have their mind changed. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You can choose to be, you can choose to be righteous or effective. And if you want to be righteous, you can wade into the crowd with your flaming, raging sword of justice, right? Seeking to defend your honor. You can do that or you can be effective and to say, how do I make this go away as fast as possible? Right. And a lot of it is, don't engage with it. And it's going to run its course in three days and it will be a distant bad memory in three weeks. Yeah. How do you feel about taking a break and then coming back and talking about some of the actual, like some of the action steps in particular for like, how do we, how do we support the team? Yeah. 
friends, Stephanie, and I'm jumping in here for one quick second because there's a workshop coming up and it is one of the last ones for this year of 2022. And I want to make sure that you don't miss it because it is coming to you from my dear friend, Maggie Brownbury. Maggie is a former emergency veterinarian who lives in Newfoundland, Canada. And a few years ago, uh, Maggie made the decision to make a change and she moved out of ER medicine into being a relief veterinarian. And I remember Maggie telling us uh, within weeks of opening up her schedule, her whole first year was booked. And so uh, we asked Maggie to come and do a workshop for how to get the most out of the relationships that you build as a, as a practice with your relief veterinarians. Because more and more practices as we face the veterinarian shortage are struggling with needing to have relief doctors on their schedule, maybe more regularly than we would have previously. And um, Maggie's got some great ideas after working with a ton of different practices on how you can leverage that relationship and set yourself up for success, set your relief veterinarian up for success and set your clients up for success. So if this sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to unchartedvet.com forward slash events and find all of the information about the workshop and how to sign up. I hope to see you there. And now back to the podcast. All right, let's start to transition us a little bit. I've ranted about the internet and mobs and negativity. Uh, yeah, and, and you, Andy Rourke, I getting know. on a soapbox. I know. <laughs> All right, let's 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 change this into some some actual action steps. Okay. okay. So number one, like I said, uh, I open communication with your team about what's going on within legal boundaries. Um, obviously, we don't fill them on the details on something that may be going to the state board or right. you know, right? But they need to know what's going on, especially if they're getting hate from outside, the phones are ringing. Yep. They need to know what's going on. So part of it is they need to know that they this is not being ignored, it is being worked on, that it's being addressed. That's number one. Um, number two, we should have a conversation about what is valid here and what is not valid here. And so that we're all in agreement and we can have this conversation and support each other. Yeah. Right. Um, we can... Um, we can start to to shift the conversation from there into um, what are we what are we going to do about this, right? Where do we go from here? How do we prevent these things from happening in the future? And part of that is making our people feel empowered. And it's also about coming up with what our talking points are going to be. Yeah. And and that's the next part for me in this is, and this is still equipping your people, but it's it's figuring out uh, what are the talking points that they're going to have. What are they going to say when people call? Right. What are their options? And they don't have to talk everyone into pieces. Um, it's uh, my favorite thing is called the broken record defense is where you say this is what we can say. Right. This is what we're working on. This is where it goes from here. And that's really all that I can tell you. And when people ask questions, you, basically, you end up with repeating three pieces. Yeah, there's little three pieces of information and we and we give it. But we're not going to get drawn off track we're not going to comment on the things right no we're not going to connect you to the doctor you know this is this is where we are and it's just it's helping people know what to say so they feel prepared and they feel supported yeah um i think uh i think for me when i think about how do we support the question of how do we support the team um it struck me because in one of the mailbag letters we got, they were like, you know, we, we had the legal side of this covered and that was great. And, and I think it's important to say, this is like when the worst things happen, right? Like we're talking about the really unexpected and, and the things that are, 
like really catastrophic for an owner. Do not DIY this, <laughs> you know, do, do not yes. go it alone. This is where you pay professionals. And my, my <laughs> fellow private practice owners, like this is where we have to say, we're going to dig into our pocketbook because you should not, I mean, Plit is wonderful and they have attorneys on staff and obviously you should utilize all of the liability resources that you have. But this is also, especially, especially if people are being sharing, you know, calling people out by name on social media or in reviews and stuff, giving personal information about your team, you, you have to ret- outsource this. You have to get a lawyer yep. Um, yep. and get and get help because there are so many ways that they can help. And even if it's not something that is they can provide, they can provide you additional resources that you ha- should have at your disposal for those catastrophic situations. So don't go it alone. And I think for me, it's the same when it comes to supporting the team, right? Like this is where we need to lean into thinking about, our responsibility as employers. And so I'm going to put on the HR hat for a second and step on that soapbox because at the end of the day, it is our responsibility to provide a safe workplace. And so if we have catastrophic situations, which are inevitable, we can't control everything in veterinary medicine and accidents are going to happen. We have to still provide a safe workspace for our teams. And so if there are situations like this and a perception Um, is that we're not doing things to make it safer for our team, we can absolutely be sued as employers. And so I say that not to, you know, create fear and make you panic and go, oh God, that's another thing that's going to keep me up at night. (laughs) But, but it is something that we should think about. And so, um, for supporting the team, you know, you and I, Andy, talk a lot for a variety of reasons of why an employee assistance programs or EAPs are great. Um, mm-hmm. That is a really easy first step here in terms of su- supporting the team. So having a program in place where they can get assistance, including um, counseling, because when we have situ- situations like this, where especially if um, if a you know a, a mistake was made having access to counseling, having access to professionals who can help your team talk through those situations and deal with the emotions that they are going to feel is really, really important. And if you don't have an EAP, um, or even if you do, you depending on the circumstances, you may want to consider outsourcing additional help, like bringing in a grief counselor to talk to the team as a whole or individually, offering ongoing Uh, therapy for your doctors. You know, like generally every time I had a doctor have a board complaint, part of it was that they needed to have access to talking to somebody. And if they declined, that was fine. But I wanted them to know that like, hey, this is hard. Like you're going to have to defend yourself. And even if you did nothing wrong, that is a hard thing to go through as a human being. And I want to recognize that and provide you the opportunity to have someone who is professional, not, it's not my job as the manager. It's not my job as the practice owner and I'm not qualified to do it, but you should have access to somebody. So providing them, um, you know, the support and resources that are, that are professional, I think is really important. Yeah, I agree with that. We've, um, so at Uncharted, we have, uh, better help as an employee benefit mm-hmm. and it's not a plug for better help, but it's, it's the one that we use and we have. So the way it's set up, uh, I actually like the way it's set up. The way it's set up basically is you set it up through as an employer, and then um, if people want to schedule time with a counselor, they, they can. And I, I say I, I never I don't know who those who uses it and who right. doesn't. I get a breakdown on how much it was used and things like that. Um, and, and, and that's it. It's it's not 
It's not super cheap. It's not super expensive. Uh, but it is a thing that we've done as employee benefit. I don't see anything wrong with having it as a short-term employee benefit. If your staff is going through something like yeah. this, and what if you said, we're going to offer this for three months and anyone who wants to have a counselor for three months uh, can can have it. But that's what we what we plan to do. Yeah. Um, I that's it. It, it was not hard to set up. Uh, it, it has got some nice privacy controls on it as well. And it was just a thing that, that we were able to make available and our, our people can use us as they as they need to. And so anyway, you're, I, I like the EAP a lot. If your EAP has limitations in how much counseling there are, or if you feel like your team needs something more than that, there are other ways that you can access professionals and, and get them some support as well. I think the last thing in terms of like resources and professionals that ties to this, and it's it's a little bit of the in the moment, but also a little bit of the of the abusive behavior. And so your team should know who to call for help. And I, I say that because um, I had a I had a situation where um, we had a client who was who was being verbally abusive. It started pretty mildly in the lobby and escalated very quickly. Um, And when I found out about it and they were, then they went out, uh, they finally left the building and they were hanging out in the parking lot. And when one of the team members went out to get another patient, they physically accosted the team member in the parking lot. Um, and when I was asking the team about, you know, what happened, cause I wasn't there at the time, they were just like, you know, we, 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 we were fine. We, we felt like we could handle it. And I asked the question, I was like, did anybody, did anybody call the police who literally the police station was across the street from the practice? They were like, no, I was like, why not? And they're like, well, cause it didn't feel serious enough. And I was like, you guys, okay. And it opened up that an opportunity for us to talk about it as a team because they, the person involved didn't think that it was a big deal. But when I looked at it, I was like, dude, if they're physically accosting us in the parking lot, like you should have called the police because yeah. that that's what they're there for. They're there to help protect us. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, Andy, which is you want them to bring up the ideas, but also we're all going to have different, uh, different ideas on what the level of invalid is, right? Use use that cre- righteous or, or uh, sorry, valid or invalid anger. And so for me, I was like, this is invalid behavior. Like this is a, a line in the sand. And it created an opportunity for the team to kind of talk about it and for us to talk about those protocols of like, when do we, what do we do for personal safety? What does that look like? At what point? Um, and it, it, we had a wonderful conversation and it, it helped pave the way for me to create this rule with my team, which is no one should ever feel like they cannot pick up the phone and call 911. If there is truly, they feel they feel threatened or intimidated, that's what I want them to do before they do anything else. Get a professional there to help you. And I can think of a whole multitude of situations in veterinary medicine where that might be applicable, but your team won't necessarily use that if they don't feel like you're advocating for it. And so I think part of it was having the conversation open the door to me in my mind, even as a manager of like, hey, remember when you're in grade school and you do like the safety drills and you know to get under the desk and duck and cover when we have an earthquake? I lived on the West Coast as a kid, obviously. Um, (laughs) Like that's a thing for a reason. And it doesn't, it shouldn't, it kind of stops in adulthood, but it shouldn't. Like when we think about our practices, for me, the last piece of this is we we should be prepared for what we can be. And some of that is is the safety drills. It is knowing who to call, when to call and having those ongoing conversations, but also practicing it so that everybody knows these. this is this is what we do when those catastrophic things happen. Yeah, I I, I really, I like that a lot. I, I think that that's really good. I, I think that those are... Um, Lay, those are some hard and fast resources for uh, 
for keep taking care of the team. Uh, one of the, there's one more sort of soft resource that I want to sort of add to this. And I need to couch it just the right way because I don't want to come off, I don't want to come off wrong. When people are going through sort of cyberbullying or they're feeling this, this pressure uh, from, from clients, they're feeling a lot of negativity. Um, it's important to do everything that we talked about, you know, justify them, validate them, support them, all, all those sorts of things. I, I find that it's really important to try to point to the good things that are going on in the practice sure. and what is going well and, um, and, and, and the good that we do in the world. And I'm not saying that in a way that invalidates the bad feelings that they have. So there's sort of two things that, that I sort of point out. Um, I, um, I drove, I, I picked my daughter up from high school yesterday and I was taking her out. She wanted to get a birthday gift for one of her friends. And so we had to drive at five. So I pick her up at like 4.30 uh -huh. and we're going right into traffic. And Greenville is a growing city and yep. we're going into the city part. <laughs> yeah. And it okay. was, it, it sucked, <laughs> right? The roads were packed. And there was this guy in this like BMW SUV and he was driving like a maniac. Like he came shooting down the road. He did that thing where he was in the left lane. He cut right behind me. He literally missed my back bumper by like three feet. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. As he cut all the way over in the other lane. And you just see him cutting people off and cutting back. And he's doing right. that thing where he's driving wildly aggressively. And he gets to the stoplight one car length of head. Right. Of where he would have been <laughs> if he had just calmed the F down. Right. You know what I mean? And driven. Right. And he's, and you, once, and you see the guy and he's cutting through and he's, and, and just, he's driving like, like a maniac. So I get my daughter through all this stuff and we get back home and my wife goes, well, how was it? And I was like, traffic is terrible. People are crazy. And I thought about later, I was like, you know what? I was probably next to 800 cars. There was one guy that was crazy. Right. One guy. Like, you know, that's like a 0.01% of the population. But that guy right. wildly affected my interaction, my perception of this interaction I had with a thousand other drivers. Yeah. And I bring that up because it's negativity bias, right? We have this one thing that we sure. go, oh my God, and it, and, it, and it deeply affects everything else. Well, the same thing is true when, when we have bad experiences like this and something goes wrong or people really go over the edge in being negative or angry. And w that same thing of, oh my gosh, traffic was horrible. The truth is like, well, well it was one guy. It's sort of the same thing with this. And so getting people to kind of realize and say, so I talk about, it's called negativity bias. It's our natural instinct to remember the negative things and give negative things more weight in our mind because sure. it keeps us safe, you know, like right. that's, that's why it's hardwired in because it keeps us safe. And so putting those sorts of things out and just sort of talking to the team and saying, hey, when we have a negative experience, we tend to see negativity everywhere. And I want you guys to remember that we do great work and there's so many people that we help and so many people who, who are supportive of us. And don't forget those things. And then, I don't make it a big deal, but go the extra mile to call out the things that you see people doing well. Yeah. And that's, that's yeah, it's not about like, hey, don't worry about this other thing because of blank. It's like, no, it's just, hey, I saw you doing this thing and it was really great. Thank yeah. you very much. You're really great at, at your job. Hey, I, I, those people were just completely smitten with you and how you treated them. That was really amazing to see. Thank you. And lift people back up because they're getting, they're getting beaten on. You know what I mean? Like just, you can make their day a little bit better just by recognizing them and appreciating them for the work that they do to try to offset the, the, the crap that's fallen from above. Yeah.
I, I like that. I, I think um, the other thing too, besides like seeing the good things, and this is, this is going to sound silly and, and, and it is a little bit silly, but it's also not to meant to belittle it is sometimes leaning into like things that really make us happy in veterinary medicine. So find the puppies and kittens, man, bring a petting zoo to your team, like do the things that are positive. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's small and maybe it, maybe it is silly, but like, I, I remember a period in my career where I was helping, um, I was working off the floor as, as a manager, but we, um, had new people at the front desk and the area that they hadn't gone through in terms of training yet with, was euthanasia. And so I got called to come in and do the front desk piece for all of the end of life cases that came in. And, um, I, I, it sounds strange, but I enjoy that piece of work but it also is not without a toll. And so yeah. I remember feeling really, really negative because I was like, dude, I I'm, I get all the, the crappy, like sad all all the time. Like that's all I'm focusing on. Um, and I remember venting about it to one of my technician friends at the time. And I just, I just needed to say something. I wasn't saying it like, and actually asking for help. And I remember like, I don't know, half hour, 20 minutes later, she comes in my office and she's like, come with me right now. And I was like, oh God, another, another case. Like I can't, I can't. And, and she, she brings me to exam room and there's a, there's a literally like a, a bucket of puppies in oh, the room. Man. And it was, so and it was so good. It was so good. She's like, you needed puppies. And she's like, you just need to sit in here for like 15 minutes. She's like, we're not even ready to deal with them. Just sit in here and entertain them. And it was, it was so good and it was so simple and it was silly and it was what I needed to break out of that. But I think thinking about those little, those little things that we can do to think about what is really good about our jobs and, and get them to, to think about smiling. Cause we can't, we can't fix it. The reality is we can't make the behavior stop right away. We can't make the negative reviews stop coming in. We can't, we can't, I mean, we can kick a client out of the building, but it doesn't, we can't, we can't do anything to take away yeah. that feeling in the moment. And so I think your point about like, what is the positive? Like, what can yeah. we, what can we control in this situation? And what are some of those things that we can do to just bring a little smile to somebody's face and yeah. make it, even if it doesn't take it away, like for that moment, that it felt really damn good to sit there, yeah. <laughs> cuddle puppies. You, yeah. <laughs> you, you remind me, you remind me of what we talked about not long ago. It's like, sometimes you have to walk in the rain. Yeah. You know, they didn't, you may, you may not have done anything wrong, but it just, it's going to rain on you. And that's just life. It's just, we all have to walk in the rain. You know, I was, uh, yeah, it, I, I've just, I've been thinking about that a lot recently. It's like, you know, we go, we go through hard times and you can't make the rain stop. You know what I mean? It's out of your control, but you can find little things to enjoy on your walk in the rain. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can find little, little, little warm spots maybe little dry spots along the way, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I think, that, I, I think a lot of times that's the, that's the best that we can do. I don't know. That, I think that's all that I got. I think, uh, I think we kind of work through, I think it's sometimes it's really hard and yeah. these things are a lot like a force of nature. It's about motivating your people to walk in the rain. It's about trying to make them in, find enjoyment in what we do. It's not invalidating the fact that we're walking in the rain. Yeah. It's, it's be, it's walking Being in the open. rain with them. Yep. Yeah. And, and just, and just being a part of it, make sure you get them all the support that you can, but then, you know, just, just be there for them and know that sometimes we can't fix things. Sometimes we just have to walk through them. Yeah. But, um, my experience in all of these things is that this, this too shall pass. It, it will pass. Yeah. Well, Stephanie, hi, Octane Gus. <laughs> 
Was that, from your, was that from your website? It was. Ace? Ace? Hey. Was. So, I, how about, Stephanie Halfpipe Goss. <laughs> Mustang. That's it. Okay. There's literally a thousand and one of them here. Like, we could do, we could do 20 years before I got to, to King. Stephanie Dreads Goss. <laughs> Okay, I think we're done no, for the day. No, okay, <laughs> Take care, enough. everybody. See you, everybody. <laughs> well, everyone, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in again this week. As always, we love spending time with you. And before we go, I just wanted to say I am getting so excited to head to Greenville in just a few short weeks. We will be there for our Practice Owner Summit, which is happening December 8th through 10th. This is a giant, giant thank you. Shout out to our sponsors for helping make this event happen. This is one of my favorite events of the whole year. It is so much fun. If you are going to be there, I can't wait to see your face. I have all the hugs for everybody, including our sponsor friends. And so I just want to shout out and say thanks to Royal Canaan, Hills, Care Credit, IT Guru, and Kronos for making this event happen. Take care, everyone. Have a fantastic week. Be kind, and we'll talk to you again soon.